I'd like to welcome everyone to today's broadcast of Truth. Today's guest is Christopher Hoyer, the ongoing series, reading his book, When That Day Comes, Training for the Fight. And we're on what, chapter six now? Uh, you know, I was hoping you were going to tell me because I forgot. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I believe we're on chapter six. Okay. And then, uh, so, but I want to kind of finish this little story that Chris and I were talking about. Natalie, her book's starting or due to come out here very, very soon. I'll start with the love notes. And you said you received one you got hanging on the wall? Yeah. It, uh, we met at a, uh, at a football game of all things. She was the, um, um, my, my words are escaping me tonight. So sorry. She got an awesome. honorary captain. So they brought her in and it was a mutual friend that uh, invited me to go down there too. And it was another, uh, deputy that had just been killed, uh, just a couple months before that and really bad situations. Uh, his mom was there, um, a whole bunch of first responders, of course. And they, uh, ended up being a really good night. And of course, Nat, you know, doing the coin toss and the whole nine yards, it was actually pretty cool. And then, uh, that's kind of where it all started between her and I. And now it's one of those things where, you know, we see first responders, veterans, fire. In fact, we had a, a nurse last night. We we're all driving around Christmas shopping. And, you know, I pull into the parking space and she's like, what do you got? I go, oh, we got this thing over here. And I pretty much make her do it now. You know, sometimes she's like, well, I don't have anything. I said, well, then go write one. You know, I got time. So, you know, so. She got little post. She got post-it notes in every like little cubby hole and uh, glove compartment in the car. Oh my god, dude, they're everywhere. They, she just brought up like three bags. I mean, full, and they're like, um, it's like little thank you cards, like little three by five cards, mostly. Um, so it makes it a little bit easier just to kind of fill them up. I mean, she's got unbelievable handwriting. I kind of quit writing them because my handwriting is so bad that it's like, wow, I don't even know what the hell that's. <laughs> I can't even read it myself. So, um, well, you know, I mean, but it's you know, it's the little things that really do make the biggest difference though. It's okay. So in your 18 plus years in how many people randomly just stopped and said, officer Hoyer, thank you. I mean, how, how, I mean, it may have happened once or twice. I mean, but like realistically, I mean, how many people really, because people take it for granted. They just, they expect you to be there. Right, it's never yeah. a, Hey, thank you. You know, for making the sacrifices away from family and all that other stuff as well too. So it's like, it's yeah. A, a I'd say, <laughs> yeah. I'd say I could probably count it on one hand how many how many actual guys just stopped and said thanks or whatever. But um it, what did happen more often than not was people would uh, anonymously buy us lunch, you know, and then we wouldn't know about it till you know, till they're long gone. Hey, that guy picked up your check, but he already took off. Okay, so we, we don't want to have any opportunity to thank them most of the time. Um, well that, that was that's that's the point though. They were exactly. thanking you. Right. Yeah, <laughs> so. which is cool. I mean, we'd we know. Certainly not going to say no to that after the fact. I mean, what are we going to do? But we always end up pretty much paying for our own thing and just giving her the tip. And that's pretty much where it boils down, you know, which is kind of cool for her so, or him or whatever it is. So. Awesome. Uh, but uh, You look good all cleaned up, man. Uh, yeah, you right, you shaved sure. about 15 years off, seriously. Yeah, I know, right? I know. Well, I, well, for guys that don't know, I caught the vid up in Vegas, pretty sure up there with uh, the Wounded Blue, which, by the way, is an unbelievable conference. I mean, probably the best one I've ever been to. Except for the fact that we came back, caught COVID, but whatever. So, <laughs> so we were down for, I think I was down for about nine days. She was down for just a little bit longer than that. Do um, I learn if you have uh, predisposed conditions of anything, like as far as no. like breathing condition or anything like that? No, and it, no. it, it, it hits you that hard? 
it just came out of nowhere. I mean, I, I went to, so we got back on Sunday. I went back to work on Monday and I was already feeling, I was like, yeah, something's not right. So I went into work and I told the guys, say, Hey guys, I don't know what this, what is going on here. It's just kind of like a flu lake. And I was supposed to be doing um, defensive tactics, train the trainer and on baton and stuff like that. And I was, and I told him straight out, I said, dude, I'm about 40%. I, I just don't have it. I have zero energy. I barely made it to work. And now these guys want to throw me around and trying to do all these DT things. I'm like, that's not going to work, man. So um, I ended up taking the next two weeks off after that. And by, uh, I'd say probably by late Tuesday, Wednesday, I literally could not even get off the couch. I mean, I, I did not eat a thing for about three straight days. It was, it was freaking horrible, man. So, but I came out of it, survived it, you know, I just toughed it out like we do. So. Did you have like the like lose taste and smell and everything like a lot of individuals have, or because everybody's symptoms are a lot different as yeah. well too. That's why it's kind of hard to like really pinpoint it and everything as well too. So you know, I, I didn't at first. I had a a, a tremendous appetite loss, um, really really cold. You know, sitting on the couch, fully geared up with sweats and everything else, and a couple of blankets, and um, just couldn't get warm for the longest time. And I, you know, I'd climb in the bathtub, you know, and I'd be freezing to death shivering getting in the bathtub and then i'd i'd be fine for a little while get back out and uh clearly i didn't sleep for the several days as well um and i'm losing 15 pounds which i think i've already put back on but we're not talking about that so uh, but then yeah after uh, i think it was about the first week um you know i was, I was making a bath for natalie because she's you know and all the bath salts and all that crazy shit you know and so i went to just test and see because that stuff's really strong nothing oh my god this is great so um some of the natural oils like with the eucalyptus especially you know you know it's real good for like the sinuses and things like that as well yeah i I, I use the eucalyptus you ever tried one of them uh what are they called the the netties or whatever it is that has like the little kettle that you pour like in your nose drown yourself i'm trying that one (laughs) oh my god but i will say that we uh we doped up big time on like vitamin c and gatorade and uh, pretty much all the liquids I could put in my body, you know, it was, it was miserable. Oh my God. But then I finally came out of it and, uh, yeah, yeah. After, like I said, about nine days, 10 days, whatever it was, I was, I was back at hundred percent and it came, you know, full circle. It took me, uh, took me three or four days to get the energy back. Um, but after that I was fine. I've been fine ever since it's been several, several weeks now. So awesome. but, uh, good to have you back, man. I mean, we, we've been going through withdrawals. We haven't had, we haven't spoken in a little while. I'm having you on the videos. People people ask me all the time. I forgot what chapters one through four were about already. I'm like, oh, all right, man. cover it again. But <laughs> so that's an honor, man. It's an honor. I always I love it. I just love it. So well, that's one of the reasons why I'm I'm building your website out as well, too, for you know, not only the promotion of your book and things like that as well, too, that were, you know, if you wanted to do your own podcast, if you wanted to do your own training videos and give, you know, other law enforcement agencies, officers, or you know even civilians can benefit from some of the knowledge that you provide on things to, you know, because individuals really should be training their kids on certain things to look out for, especially in today's society, you know, and things like that. So, I mean, like, you know, have little videos and things like that, you know, if you wanted to use it, you could use it. If not, you know, but you know, that way it just gives more exposure into what you do. I mean, you're a blessing to so many and, you know, it's, you know, individuals just need to understand that, you know, if it applies to you, it applies to you. If not, you know, kind of shake it off, but, Nine times out of ten, it's going to apply, and I'm just like, "Oh, this is some fucking bullshit." But it, it applies. 
Well, you know, this, this is what I tell people all the time. It's like, you know, half the stuff I teach is just a bunch of shit, but it's a great starting point. And then, you know, I say it over and over again, it's a way, not the way, you know, you take on board what I'm, what I'm presenting to you and then you tweak it however you think you need to, you know, you can either add or delete or, or whatever else or just completely ignore it all the way around. You know, uh, I won't be offended one way or the other because I know there's lots of stuff that I do that flat out isn't going to work for guys. And I've seen other guys doing stuff and I'm like, there's, there's no way in hell I'm going to try that. Cause I know it's never going to work for me, you know? So, yeah. well, you know, it's funny too. Cause you, I mean, you and I have had the discussion, you know, multiple times, Michael Zanito, and you know, we've, we've had the discussion as well too, you know, kind of like the guy that was supposed to have your back and couldn't jump that fucking four foot wall. Yeah. You know, it's the, you know, it's the little things like that, that kind of throw it off to where it doesn't apply to everybody because you're in on this level and I'm up here, right. you know what I mean? But in the same sense, if, you know, individuals do, you know, kind of take that seed that you're planting and saying, Hey, you know, it probably wouldn't hurt for me to kind of get in shape. <laughs> I mean, well, I, I don't, I don't understand why you wouldn't be in shape anyway. You know what I mean? It's well, I'll tell you exactly why, because a lot of uh, like my agency in particular, they, they took away the PC program and they're like, yeah, you know, there's no incentive to do it and you're not required to do it anymore. So, so many guys are like, well, if I don't have to, then I'm not going to, well, what is that? What kind of message is that sending, you know? And then Same you thing with welfare. Hey, if you get a job, we're taking this money away from you. Oh, well, why would I get a job then? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> same, same kind of a thing, you know? Um, my, my theory was always, you know, I can take care of myself, but if, you know, if I can't get over the wall and you get hurt and that's on me, that's, that's just not something I can, I can deal with, you know? So, um, and I was never, I mean, I was never a rock shot. I'm not going to be a triathlon you know, athlete or anything like that. But I mean, I could definitely hold my own. David but, Goggins. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, and there's guys out there that believe me what I say. I mean, they're, I mean, I, I love the idea of doing the, uh, all the running and stuff, but, and I, and I understand where this is going to go, but you know, I've never seen anybody have a mile and a half long foot pursuit, but clearly you need to be in shape. So when the big one does hit, you're at least, if you can at least run a half a mile, in shape with all your gear on that mile and a half is going to be where you pretty much set that, set that bar at the clear, clearly the bottom of the barrel minimum, but you know, so, but uh, of course I was never a runner. I hated running unless they were running from me. I never ran. So, <laughs> so you, you, you need to get on this uh, show with us, John is what you need to do while you're ripping yeah, your you hand open over to the fence. You need to, uh, you know, rip that, computer open right now and jump on this broadcast with us <laughs> <clears throat> see yeah, that's another thing too that people don't think of too like when you're in pursuit it's kind of the you are cognizant of the environment and things like that but if you're going to go hop a fence you don't know if, even if it's a wooden fence and it's not like chain link you know there may be a nail or you know a splintered piece of wood on there as well too that if we're hopping right. that wall and you know get cut it's like well, when we uh, we get to the food truck story, I'll uh, tell you how that one just that's went to great. shit. I mean, oh, my God. You know, I get out of there. Well, you I'm wouldn't getting... think it either. I mean, that's that's one of the things, too. I, started, I, I laughed. It really wasn't funny, but it was kind of funny. I'm just it like. hilarious. <laughs> it was absolutely funny. You know, at the time, we were thinking to myself, oh, my God, what the hell is this shit? But, um, you know, when I get done, I'm, I mean, I'm freaking covered in glass. I mean, I got glass in my hands and my knees, you know, and I'm still having to fight this guy. You know, it's like, dude, what? That's not shit you plan for in the academy. You know, it's like, eh, well. And it can happen at any time, you know, so. And that's why it's important while you're going in there and doing what you're doing. Because it's the, you know, it's like the very first series that you and I did with Chris Gregorio. And I was talking about how, you know, they may train us for some of the things that we necessarily wouldn't be expecting. But, you know, the unorthodox things are what I need to know about. 
you know, oh, the yeah. common sense shit is going to fucking be there. You know I mean? Right. The unorthodox, the unexpected is what officers need to be trained for is the, you know, Hey, maybe one out of 10 officers have to pull a baby from a dumpster. Yeah. But th that, that fucking shock value has to be put there because that, that could be that breaking point. And if you're on a critical incident and you have a, you have a uh, brother or sister with you, a partner with you that freezes up because they're seeing, you know, a severe domestic dispute, you know, whether the child is being abused and it's just, they, they can't handle that. All of yeah. a sudden they freeze up. They're putting you in jeopardy. They could be putting the other family members in jeopardy. And it's, you know, one of those things that, I mean, I mean, you and I have talked on this and talked on this. Michael Zanito and I have spoken on this. Chris Gregorio has spoken on this to where's the, you know, there has to be a shock value. They're going to have to reinvent the training aspect of everything. Yeah. Oh, yeah, They're going to have to. I mean, it's the people are going in and especially with the, the suicide rates that we're, we're seeing today, you know, it's the it's it's disgusting. I, I couldn't agree more. It's It's so disheartening sometimes. And then. You know, I mean, I break it down in the simplest way that I know how, because that's how my brain works. Is just, you know, I want everybody to know what they need to know here in a controlled environment before you learn it on the street. And I've been talking about that a lot with my uh, my students lately. Was that man the first time I got into a shooting? Clearly, at some point in time, I learned this, but I never paid attention. Um, that now this guy just tried to kill me. And now I've got to pull him out of the car and give him CPR. You know, and that was one of those things I learned on the street like a freaking jackass, but. You know, when I talk about the Dave Glasser scene, I show a really gory photo of a dead guy. And I said, look, man, it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be a gunfight or a shooting or whatever. It could be a freaking a car accident. It could be a drowning or something like that where you're going to be you know, um, seeing these kinds of things that you're, it's going to shock you and you need to be ready. For it. And then playing that what if game, which we've talked about a hundred times, you know, think about all the different scenarios. So when it's time to get it on, you're right there. You're in the mix. You don't have to think about it. You're just going to the next level it kind of it kind of goes into like the whole paper target aspect of it as well too you know we we sit here and we practice every day at the range the fucking paper target isn't moving it isn't firing back so yeah i mean i i may be spot on every shot but put it to where i'm gonna have to react because that paper target has a pistol or anything else and it's being erratic and moving around it's my accuracy might drop to that you know Chris Hoyer not taking a shot outside of 15 yards. Oh, yeah. No, I know that. Man. I, I know that. <laughs> I know hey, John, John, how you doing? I'm doing good. How about y'all? I'm blessed, brother. How you doing? I'm glad I'm glad you actually made it on. So, you know, because John, you know, if, if he knows he has to do something, like he rushes around to get it done, he was stressing about being able to get everything done because he wants to be on this broadcast as well, too. And he's like, man, I don't know if I can make it, man. He's trying to scramble to get this shit done. I'm glad you made it, brother. Always welcome, man. Always welcome. So. Hey, if I'm on time, I'm late, so I try my best. Congratulations. So, uh, hey, Chris, just to kind of fill you in, John just recently got uh, promoted to sergeant in his oh, department. Shit. So he's he's whole new change. And that's one of the things that I want to have a one-on-one -on -one with him on a video. You could come on as well too, Chris, that I kind of want to talk about that because, you know, that's a big mind fuck as well, too. Excuse my language, but I mean, as far as that transition from being you know, street cop to now being that superior, being my superior to things like that, you know, it's now you're having to deal with yourself. You know, it's like now you know why that now you know why Sarge is always yelling at you and shit. <laughs> Even worse than that, man. I'm gonna warn you when you got ten Chris Hoyers working for you, don't call me, man, because I don't want to hear about it. <laughs> That's where it's gonna be. You're gonna... <laughs> 
what I, what I do to switch. So we don't even have 10 people together, but when I have that person yelling at me to call a supervisor, hey, they're here. Now you've got to talk to me the way you want to talk to them. <laughs> you, you know, see, and, and that's one of the things, though, too, and Chris actually covers it in his book, you know, when he was first going in for the training and stuff like that as well, too. But, you know, having a smaller department, it's kind of the, I guess it'd be a flip of the coin. It'd be the chance, basically. You know, you can either have that close-knitted, you know, brotherhood, sisterhood, and, you know, family, or if there's a lot of contention or, you know, people trying to show ass and stuff like that as well, too, to where, you know, sometimes those small numbers, it can be a positive or it can be a negative, you know, depending on, you know, the mentality of everyone else. If somebody's got to be fucking rock star, superstar, and all that other shit, you know, so. that That's that's one good thing about our department. We're pretty close-knit. If you're not, if you're divided, then you're not going to make it with us uh, versus one of the bigger agencies in our county. Uh, I mean, you've got five or six different supervisors. I mean, that that's crazy to me. You know, you can please five, but that sixth one you piss off. Now everything's, you know, a mess. It, 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 plays, a, it plays a real big role. And, you know, that's why I can't wait till Chris gets into it in the book, because that's one of the things that he covers. Because he was already going through all the, the fucking lashback that he shouldn't have been receiving because of, you know, the different decisions that he made, split-second decisions. Now superiors, you know, coming at him and, you know, making you more uncomfortable. You're already uncomfortable about the situation you just went through. You know, now you have superiors, you know, like second-guessing you and things like that as well, too. So it, it, it's a it's a big, big, big deal, you know. So It can be a problem sometimes. But, uh, yeah, you know, I mean, we don't. We don't think about these kinds of things when we're going into. We just want to go out there and save the world and make a big difference, you know. And sometimes we do, sometimes we don't, you know. So what are you gonna do? Yeah, I'll put something out there to people that don't know. You know, hey, you're on duty, you handle this stuff. Uh, we had an incident today. I was working at my part-time job, and uh, I see one of our Tahoe go flying by. Okay, there's a cop. That's something we should never hear about as a law enforcement officer having to have a fucking part-time job. You know, that's just the sacrifices that are made in our professions and stuff like that. It's it's insane that I even heard you say that. I mean, I, I commend you for it. Uh, you know, I know it's, you know, your son and stuff like that as well, too. You want to make the best for you, yourself and your family and things like that, man. But that's it's fucking disgusting to hear that, you know, officers struggle with. Anyway, go ahead. I'm sorry. It is. I mean, it's it's rough. I actually uh, I work off about 2 a.m. normally. And then I'm back at 8 a.m. for a nine-hour shift. I mean, you know, but being a small department, even if I did have the money to not have to work it, we still got to fill that schedule. And, you know, most of our guys are willing to do that just to fill that schedule to do what we need to do and for the people we work for. Well, um, you touched on that about the construction as well, too. That when you have construction, individuals have to sit there. How you know you're already short staffed now? Well, you really got to pull extra duty and stuff like that as well, too. So, oh, absolutely, we we have to fill those schedules. I mean, to uh, even to serve the people we're working for, you know, we we have to serve those. But uh, you know, what I was saying is the the people don't realize we are still law enforcement off duty. Um, I saw the day a Tahoe go by, lights and sirens. You know, there's a call. He needs to get there. Less than a minute or two later, I see an ambulance go by. Okay, it may be a medical call. Then I see three fire 
uh, truck go by and another charger with us go by. Turns out it was a fatality wreck that had happened, but one of the first on scene was an off-duty officer. He happened to be close. He heard about the call, and he went. He was off-duty, but he still helped handle that call. So even off-duty, we're still law enforcement. We still you know, have a duty to, to take care of. Awesome. You know, Chris Gregorio actually shared a story to where, you know, he was off duty and, you know, he stopped and it was kind of like a blessing that he made the decision to stop because, you know, the other guy was, you know, high brass and the guy, it, it really shook him up. And, you know, Chris exchanged his information with him to say, hey, reach out, you know, if it was bothering you and stuff like that. But it's the, you know, sometimes it's that, that whole fate thing where, you know, sometimes we're drawn to specific incidents to where, you know, if I would take the call opposed to, you know, Officer Hoyer taking the call, you know, it, it's one of those fate things of like how that real turnout would have happened, you know, opposed to the other and things like that. Oh, and hey, Chris, just so you know, I don't know if you know it or not, but uh, Officer Hall and his dispatch have your book. Oh, nice. Nice. Thanks, guys. Appreciate that. Any, any feedback is welcome, good, bad, or negative, or whatever you want. I'm, I won't be offended, trust me. Um, you think I'm full of shit or you love it or whatever else, man. I, I just I want all the feedback I can get. So. Well, that's the real reason I'm having you come on here and actually read this shit, man, so I can be like, look, man, that's yeah, full of that's dead, man. But I'm just gonna I'm just gonna blame Natalie, even though she's trying to hide. She just got out of the bathtub, but that's okay. She's coming back on the next show, so she says. So she better be. So with my dispatch. She, 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 she can edit us as we're talking. <laughs> I'm already getting that already. <laughs> oh yeah, my my dispatch. I told her that you had been through some stuff. You know, a lot of stuff. And the first thing she said is like, you know, first thing off, he's dealing with a dog. Yeah, he must be a shit magnet. <laughs> <laughs> well, awesome. I mean, I don't, I don't know. Well, you know, we were talking about this earlier when we first came on, Michael and I, about the, uh, the new edition. And I felt like such a schmuck because I never added the dispatchers into the original stories. And I was like, well, I mean, I threw a couple little things in there, but I never really went into the greater detail that I needed to go to. So that was, that was truly the main reason why I went back and did, a, did that second version. Of course, I had to throw a few more stories in there as well. But, um, so I felt like, man, what a, what a jackass. Cause I mean, I've had so many of my friends that are, that I'm still friends with to this day that are, you know, they still give me shit for some of the stuff I got into on the radio. Um, and then Addie, God bless her, the one that uh, helped me with they've seen, you know, she was an absolute rock star. I mean, she just did things that she, she questioned herself. She's like, oh, no, I made all these mistakes. I actually played the audio for her one day. And she's like, you know, very reluctantly admitted, yeah, she didn't make any mistakes. She did everything exactly right the way she was supposed to. So, you know what's her. crazy about that, man, is that it's it's kind of ironic. It's sad sometimes, though, too. I mean, that you actually know dispatch's name. You yeah, know, a lot, of, a lot of officers really can't offhand name a dispatch you know that's one of the blessings that you know with john's you know close to kayla and stuff like that as well too to where it's the that's important though because of that you know you, you have to have that specific bond when one information being shared to you you know you don't want to be on dispatch's bad side and then they said they send you into a gunfight and it's like oh it's pretty calm he already left the house and things like that knowing he's at the front door with a shotgun <laughs> it's like so that is one good thing about a small department me and her work together 98% of the time. And if I have an issue with something she does, I can talk to her about it versus having multiple dispatchers, you know, and 
and having to ask questions that they're not used to. You know, what about this? What about this? Why does that matter? It matters, you know. So me and her have that kind of bond that we know what information we need to give each other. You know, one thing I've never experienced was cross-jurisdiction with dispatch. Have either of you ever experienced where, you know, you're crossing jurisdiction and one dispatch has to communicate to the other? I mean, it's hard enough. I mean, because dispatch is already dealing with a frantic individual on the phone and then trying to, you know, maintain composure, collect all relevant data so that they can, you know, pass it on to, you know, the officer, the paramedic or whoever's going out to the home. But have you ever experienced it to where it was cross jurisdiction to where one dispatch was passing on to the next jurisdiction and trying to share that information to where, you know, all parties involved going to the scene I mean, have you have either of you ever experienced that? I've never experienced cross jurisdiction. Have you guys ever? We've crossed over some cities before, but it's always the same radio dispatcher, no matter what. Is Uh, it? Yeah, and luckily for us with our agency, I mean, we had nine one one operator. I mean, they're both cross trained; they can both do both jobs. But nine one one did just that, and then they'd send the other calls over to dispatch. Uh, Yeah, but if you if you if you cross state line, because like where John's at, for example, he's right on like the Tennessee border. So if you're going to cross over, you either have to call, I mean, unless it's your own. So like if, like in Florida, and if, if I'm in pursuit and I'm about to hit the Georgia line, if I don't have Florida highway patrol, I have to hit like the, the County that's coming up or, you know, Georgia state highway patrol to be able to, cause I, you know, jurisdiction wise, I, I can't even cross state line. I mean, I, I could still pursue that way. I can kind of feed information onto the next, but at that point, though, it doesn't. Does that still maintain the same dispatch, or does that transpire over and yes. have to be communicated with? I think as long as you've got the radio towers, that'll pick it up. Because I know we we had a chase out in the middle of the freaking desert. We were actually eighty miles from the California border one time. It was awesome, and we lost radio comms all the way out there. So all of our SWAT guys are just on their next hill clearing. Free for all. <laughs> yeah, it was crazy, man. It was actually awesome. This dude. Uh, I'm not going to get into the whole story now, but basically he was on live TV and shot himself on live TV. And the freaking news guy's like, you know, shut it off, shut it off, shut it off. And bam, the guy freaking, I was like, holy shit, dude, that was awesome. Time to go. See you. So I went back into that one. Speaking of live TV, shit, what was it, back in the 80s? To where I guess this guy raped the guy's daughter. And the guy was at the airport on the payphone and spun around because the marshals were walking the guy you know, through the airport, and he and he just he said, "I got to go," and he hung up the payphone and just spun around and just shot the dude in the head on live TV. And it was on live TV. It was wow. like, you know, it's like shit you don't see on live. Didn't have time to censor it or anything. It was like, Man. oh yeah. There's, uh, there's something John touched on earlier. I wanted to kind of take it to the next level. Is uh, when I was on the radio, which was like, of course, constantly. Um, and <laughs> shit magnet. I, I know, right? When my voice starts to elevate, and I start getting asked up. People know they're like, okay, especially the radio. Folks, they're like, all right, freaking, you know, 13 x-rays into something. We better start sending some units that way. They didn't ask me, ask me what it was. They just start saying, okay, start everybody heading the 91 area, whatever it was. And uh, um, more often than not, I was just getting freaking excited about over nothing. But, uh, but they know they can read your read your voice very well on the radio if you're a lot, you know, if you're if you're in that kind of communication with them. So that's hugely important. So, did you get on? Did you get on the radio for your end of watch, Chris? I did, yeah, which was kind of a huge – I mean, it wasn't a mistake by any means, but 
chick that was on there didn't know me and she was brand new. That sucks. So I get on there. I'm like, hey, it's at 8, 825. We're actually signing off for the final time. She's like, okay, have a good day. So what did I do, my dumbass? I turned the radio off. <laughs> and I'm getting phone calls. Turn your radio back on. Turn your... I'm like, sorry. So by the time I'm the radio back on i'm back up and running i'm down to the property and i'm turning in all my gear and it was like a five minute speech on the freaking radio you know everybody's like oh my god we're so sorry to see you leave and have a good life and i'm up there like, falling my eyes on the, the counter taking all my stuff now she's crying it was hilarious couple other officers are standing there and they're going what the hell's going on here you know they didn't know what was going on they didn't know signing off and stuff that's awesome. um, so that's really my type of luck though it's like you know the, the person i've served with or that's been uh, communicating to me my whole you know, time of service, they're not there the day that I'm signing off. It's like, I mean, think of the odds of that, though. It's like, yeah, oh yeah. you get you get a newbie your last day, like. <laughs> I know, all right, yeah. And she, I think she was just relieved. So I think my my main whoever she was was taking a break or something. But our where our property is is right below radio, so I couldn't even make it out the door because half of them came down there and I'm like, no, you can't leave. Well, I, can, I got plans, man. I'm out of here, dude. So yeah, twenty years was enough for me. So awesome. All right, let's let's get in, let's get let's get into this book, man. Because we'll have more conversation as we as we get in here. Because this is a good chapter right here, man. So you got to tell me, is it five or six? I don't remember. Well, let's go ahead and start in uh, five because six actually takes off how five ends with the FNG. Okay. It actually takes off if I'm not mistaken. I'm pretty sure it does. Yeah, I can't remember if I read this one last time or not, but uh... well, it's it's not going to hurt to read it again. All right, cool. It becomes muscle memory. Yeah, right, 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 right. All right, if you guys are ready, I'll, I'll tear it up. So oh, We're ready. All right, Chapter 5, geared up and ready to go. All right, we were informed as a class prepared to work swing shift, otherwise known as the uniform ride-along. We are told this is your time to learn. Do what you're told and not try to be a hero out there. Got it? Sure, I got it, but what if I can <laughs> save the world? That was my goal. Like, that's, all, that's the reason why I got into this, right? Um, this was the second of two ride-alongs. First ride along was done in recruit gear. Uh, it was your basic white button down shirt and tie, the worst of the worst academy attire, which we all hate, of course. Uh, the first ride along was not a test. It was nothing more than just observing life on the street with an experienced officer. It was also an opportunity for a little more soul searching. No gun, no authority, no nada. We were commanded to sit in the car and observe. Uh, that was, I mean, that was literally it. Watch. Um, second ride along was much, much better ish. Um, FTO was a seasoned, a seasoned veteran, a man who later became my mentor. He was a giant of a man beyond just his massive build. Uh, he was a legend among the FTO community, and I, his protege, was ready for anything. However, as a wet behind the ears, not even badge-holding rookie, I did have a gun, and I was terrified. Uh, it was a very cold introduction by my FTO. Mostly, he just gave me a hard look up and down. Uh, it was followed by a doubtful smirk, obviously questioning my ability. How much do you weigh, he barked. Uh, Sir, I'm 140 pounds. With all your gear or what, he replied coarsely. Kiss my ass, bitch. No, sir, I said, biting my tongue. I'm a solid 160 geared up. Hmm, of course you are, he chuckled. Let's go, booter. So that night we transported some guy for whatever reason. Uh, he was not a bad guy, but nevertheless, people do not go in our cars without being searched. Very good point. Um, this is a practice in due diligence that I wholeheartedly support. Now, having said that, this dude was wearing nothing more than a Speedo and a tank top, and it was up to me to search him just so we could give him a ride kidding me give me a break uh i got the feeling my fto was enjoying it uh, i could see underneath his poker face he was secretly dazzled with excitement fucker um i was no more than five minutes into patting this guy this guy down when the fto says did you check the groin area 
five minutes to pat a guy down, right? So, yeah, no. <laughs> you know damn well. It was a search that should have taken no more than 60 seconds. However, I spent the whole five minutes purposely avoiding that particular area. My FTO knew full well I had not searched the groin area. I looked over at him. He had a dead serious look on his face. However, I knew for a fact that he was laughing his ass off on the inside, watching me squirm while having to perform my duty, a task that would eventually become commonplace in my professional future. Uh, damn it, you know I didn't. Okay, then. It was not a big deal in real-world terms, but the dude was out there. If he had anything else in those shorts, I think it would have been time for Never mind, I'm not going there or there. As it turned out, the guy was not carrying anything. I glared at my FTO for the next three hours. Yeah, shut up and learn, right? I was still in the academy, and my plan uh, was to go back and tell my classmates that I got to drive the car on two wheels, repel off a building, and deliver a baby. Yeah, man. Uh, in reality, the highlight of my night was that I got to handle another dude's junk. Uh, my first day of deliver delivering pizza was not that exciting. Uh, I purposely chose this career, right? In the end, I survived the night. Uh, I finally had street experience. Look at me, Ma, top of the world, right? You know, and, and yet I still had no idea what was coming. That was my fight. So gearing up for the fight during the testing phase. Hey, I want to, I want to, uh, I want to, I want to touch on something real quick. Yeah, this is, it's kind of important. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, because John and I spoke about this before too, as well. So when you said that, you know, obviously he was questioning your ability. I mean, it. it it, it plays heavy on the mind, especially when it's the beginning stages. I mean, we just get pissed off when we're veterans and somebody questions what we're doing. But when you're first starting out and it's almost like, you know, oh, fuck, I'm, I'm day one. I'm already like, you know, being in question or people, you know, doubting me and things like that to where, you know, it's one of those flip of the coins as well, too, to where it either, you know, drives you to prove yourself or B, it kind of turns you off as far as the. Fuck this dude, you know what I mean? And especially the superiors, you know, and that's where you know these discussions that we keep having about peer support groups, you know, when our superiors, you know, have that I'm better than you mentality or you know, get some time in kid type shit, you know what I mean? It's the it it, it makes you stand offish. So then because of that happening, even if it wasn't just like a traumatic experience. Because of that fucking shit happening, and you're thinking like, oh, they're already questioning my abilities out here right now. What's going to happen when you experience that one call that fucks you up? And it's like, well, you know, he was already questioning me from day one on the simple shit. If I go to him and just say, hey, look, I, I'm still trying to process what I just seen back during a domestic uh, violence dispute or that child abuse dispute. You know what I mean? It's the from day one, that hesitant factor is already instilled in your mind like suck it up bitch just you know go on to the next one right. where it's the where you know from the very beginning when it's instilled in an individual in an officer whether brother or sister that hey you know yeah okay yeah 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 hard ass go and go, go do this but you know it, it does play on that because obviously you recognize it. it's in your fucking book so that's something that's stuck with you and then when you if if it sticks with an individual the wrong way though and then they become hesitant about reaching out to whether it be their peer or their superiors it plays a large role and that's why what you do going into agencies and i, I want to see a lot more of it as well i was talking to chris more about it with the fire department you know to where it's the it, it has to be more you know core level 
but the superiors, you know, have to. I mean, yeah, you want to be stern to where fucking people listen to you. And but nowadays, when it's test taking abilities, it's like the, you haven't even shown yourself, motherfucker. You're just sitting here trying to tell me what to do. But anyway, it's like the, but you know, you recognizing that to where it's right there, you know, from the very beginning, it, it obviously it's stuck with you. Right. I mean, it did. I mean, this is your first fucking, you know, out there. And that's the one thing you remember. And that, that shows a lot. And that's why what you do is so fucking important. And that's that should be one thing right there that is stressed when you go into these agencies, these departments, or even speaking to a one-on-one. Because if that's stuck with you, if that sticks with an individual that is going to actually have one of those moments to where they take that call, <clears throat> How are they going to respond to that when they, they re, you know, they, they had that perception of their superior or if, even if it was their fucking partner? It doesn't even have to be a superior. You know, right. if the person, you know, riding with me that's supposed to have my back is looking at me like, yeah, you don't even know what you're doing. It's like, well, I can't even come to you about this call we're on, let alone if I'm thinking about eating my fucking gun. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, it's the. Uh, I, I think that there's, uh, there's several ways to attack that one. I think uh, one of the guys I'm working with now, with this company I'm working for, good dude, and he had all of our. I call them my kids. Had all the kids today um, do some homework last night, and they come up with uh, what's your definition of command presence, which I thought was huge. I'm like, that's really good. And some of them, you know, bullshit answers, whatever else. They piggybacked off everybody else. Um, so I think if you have that, and you remember, you know, all of the stuff we're going to talk about, just I think further on in the book, all the stuff that you went through to get where you are your confidence should already be pretty high. And, you know, in my opinion, um, if this guy has already lost my respect, why do I care? I'll go to somebody else. I've got nothing to prove to this guy over here. Um, if you don't, you know, if I'm not a freaking muscle guy, like he was, he, don't get me wrong, he's a, he's a stud. I still talk to the guy all the time. One of my closest friends. Um, but he was a hard ass back when he was an FGO, he was a hard ass, you know, and he wanted people to realize that. And it's like, well, that's all great, but I'm I'm just starting out. You've been an FTO. You had like he already had like 15 years on then. You know, I don't have to prove myself to you. I got to kind of just prove myself that I can do this job. And I didn't lose his respect. He didn't lose my respect. But I can definitely see that where I've had my peers that I graduated with. That you know, I had a guy. I'm not going to get into it because he's a he's a fucking bag of dicks. But whatever. Story. But um, the guy had the uh, he literally had like six weeks on me treating me like he had 10 years on you know and i'm like dude we went to the academy at the exact same time you just got hired on six weeks before i did now you think you're some fucking rock star you know so i completely lost respect for that guy you know because he was a tool he just had no clue what he was doing and he was trying to act like he was all tough I'm like okay yeah um so yeah hey, with that being said hey so so john with uh you know you being there for you know the time you've been there have have you experienced I know it's just been what is it like two weeks now? Half two weeks. Yeah. I mean, ha have you experienced anybody? And again, I know it's a small department and things like that, though. But I mean, it's the are you are you feeling any kind of like somebody looking at you differently than because it it, it does change perspective. It's kind of like when Chris stepped out. You know, it's the we don't like to think that we lose the brotherhood, the sisterhood or anything else when we do retire or we step out or it's our end of watch. You know what I mean? Because, but 
trying to relate with them when they're still taking calls every day and I'm sitting back on the beach sipping margaritas, it's completely different. It's a different lifestyle. You know, I'm not, it's unrelatable in essence. And then also now with you now being sergeant, it isn't the same lifestyle in essence. You know, now you're a superior. So have you seen any of the, you know, brothers and sisters that, you know, ultimately were side by side and now you being a superior, have any of them, which I, I know it's still early in, but have you kind of noticed that where somebody feels like standoffish or anything? And no, not really. You know, and I, I kind of consider that I'm, I'm no different than before. Uh, you know, we've got the chief, we've got the assistant chief. They handle most everything. I haven't really had to step up per se yet, but I am the nighttime guy. I've got to be the one to handle everything during the night. Uh, you know, but really, what is anybody else going to say? You know, anybody else in my department's had six years less than I have. You know, there's not a lot of ground to stand on at that point. And, if they did try to step on that ground, they're going to get shoved back off really quick, considering the time I've had. Uh, but I would kind of like to, to touch on this subject, um, the the starting out point. There's a difference in, in making the same point. You know, uh, I made a traffic stop. Hey, you know, how did I do? I, I actually asked him that. And he wasn't FTO, but that's who I was was riding with to start with and instead of saying well you did this you know you shouldn't have done this this is how you should have handled it literally on that traffic stop i asked him how i did and he said uh horrible you stuttered too much now that's what, a great what, what, what do you mean yeah, so. well you know i mean that's that's actually important because suspects pick up on especially the vetted criminals they pick up on that nervousness that you know we may have on approaching them whereas the oh yeah okay i got me one and it may be that fight or flight that kicks in because of that hesitation or because of the uncertainness that you know we have in our voices and the i'm not going to say masculinity but the authority that we have, you know, when we're speaking to someone, you know, if we're, uh, uh, we can't, we can't even get the fucking sentence out, you know, that person's going to be sitting there like, oh yeah, I got me one right here. You know what I mean? So yeah, but that's, that's your FTO's job to back you up on that kind of stuff, you know, be there, to make sure you're good to go. You know? That that's one of my famous sayings is, is tell the, the rookies, the newer ones to always sound like you have confidence. Don't let them, get out of control and don't let them ever think you don't know what you're talking about because it's going to get out of control at that point And it is hard to regain it. Well, and on top of that, you know, I like talking about shit that nobody likes to talk about. That everybody kind of like hides behind, but like in today's society and today's culture. Okay. It's vital. And, I, and I'm glad you actually brought this up, John, for real. You know, because I mean, because it goes into what, like, what Chris was saying about how somebody looks at you. It's like sometimes we don't know. It took you asking instead of them. And like Chris just said, you know, that's up to the FTO. The FTO should have, like, kind of, you shouldn't have had to ask how you fucking did. If he's seen that issue initially, he should have just been like, hey, Officer Hall, you know, hey, you know, try to be clear on the words. But in today's culture, today's society, okay. The hesitation, and again, like with the media, the hatred towards law enforcement, if 
you know, I'm going up to a car on a say I'm just on a traffic stop, or I'm going to somebody's door, okay? And then, you know, dispatch didn't say, hey, it's African American male or it's a Hispanic male or it's whatever the case may be, okay? But then all of a sudden that door opens. And then I see that it's an African American male. I see that it's a Hispanic male or whatever the case may be. Now, all of a sudden, because of lashback, because of me having to walk on fucking eggshells, or because my superiors were second guessing me every time I, I took the calls, you know, like this, it's a big fucking issue. And it isn't that authority that comes out in stuttering over the words or, you know, being authoritative when you're given direction that, okay, hey, step back for a second, ma'am, or step back for a minute, sir. You know what I mean? It's the, it plays a big role. And, and again, I'm glad you brought that up because I, I actually want to have a broadcast about that specifically because it, again, going back to the vetted criminals, the ones that second guess that. You see these fucking YouTube videos about the, you know, they, they see Officer Hall on your fucking badge. What's your badge number? Oh, you, you got Officer Hall right here, you fucking clown. You know, it's like, but, the, you know, people watching these YouTube videos like, oh, yeah, I got this, man. You're violating my rights. It's like, get the fuck out of here. But, but. You know, that hesitation because, you know, unfortunately, officers buy into that shit as well. So then that affects how they're able to perform their duties. So if I'm going out there because my superior, you know, is second guessing everything I'm doing and I, now I'm, I'm carrying my fucking manual with me, like, I got to make sure I do this right. Hold on for a minute, sir. Hold on. You, you can't do that, you know, and, and going back to that, you have to be sure on what you're saying as well, too. Kind of like that might have been why that guy was looking at Chris at first. Chris probably, you know, subconsciously thinks he did everything right, but the guy was probably looking at him like he didn't know what the fuck he was doing because of like he might have seen something but just didn't want to address it. You know what I mean? Well, I'll, I got to touch on that really quick because uh, I think uh, clearly it takes a long time to learn all, uh, learn our job. I mean, it's just fire hose of information. Clearly, um, you never it never ends. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, this is something that I learned about, you know, dealing with bad guys. You know, I don't change my attitude when I walk in my, my door in my house. I'm the same guy that I was when I was on the street. Now, clearly, I'm going to But, uh, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, what worked really well for me was I didn't change my tactics when I saw the guy get out of the car and he's a black guy or he's a white guy or he's, you know, Chinese or whatever he was. I always treated people as, okay. A person. Exactly, you know, and, and that made it very, very simple that the lines weren't blurred. There was never any question about, okay, you're either a criminal or you're not a criminal. I don't care, and I've told people that all the time. I'm, I'm equal opportunity ass kicker. I'll, I'll kick the shit out of you whether you're a girl, a boy, black, white. I don't give a shit. Wheelchair or not? Yeah, exactly. Oh yeah, don't don't get me started on that. Uh, but that's just in you. You have that mentality of it doesn't matter to me. That's going to be expressed to them as well. You know, if they want to bring race into it, hey, you know what? You're the only one bringing a race into this, into this topic. I'm not. All I'm treating you as, as a citizen of this community or whatever you are. If you're a criminal, you can be treated as such. If you treat me nice, I'm going to treat you nice the same way. I mean, it's, it's very, very simple. That can, that can come back to FTO as well. You know, yeah. one, you know, if they tell you, well, you should have done this, you know, you could do this different, this different. You're like, okay, cool. I'll try it next time. You know, like he said, you stutter too much and, you know, da, da, da. Well, Damn, I'm a dumbass. I don't know what I'm doing. But they could also come back as, why did you talk to them like that? That was a, a female. Now it's in your mind right. that I should not 
handled them this way. I should handle them differently just because. And that's that's a simple statement they can make, but something that will stick with you. Yeah. Well, and so think- how, how many scenarios were given to you? I mean, how, how much role playing is done? And again, going back to that's why I love what Chris does. And I really want to get him in the fucking agencies as a mandatory class for real. But, you know, it's the there's no role playing in there. I mean, yeah, you when you when you do like, you know, the ground tactics and things like that, you may have to partner up and things like that. But, you know, we just grab somebody we're comfortable with and things like that. But it's the that role playing is not done. To where it's the you can't have those scenarios. You know, you're trained on one thing. All of a sudden, you go out there and do it. It's like, hey, you did that wrong, Officer Hall. Well, give me an example. Fucking run it by me. Hey, role play with me real quick. Tell me how I should have handled that. You know what I mean? It's the because yeah. you know, in our own heads, we don't see that anything was fucking wrong with it. You know. Well, so. and even our superiors can say something I don't agree with. Uh, just take for example, we just recently qualified. And I did good. I'm proud to say that one. <laughs> but, uh, uh, you know, we do six standing, six shooting at 25 yards. And I will get down on one knee and shoot. And, you know, he told me, well, you know, the more you have on the ground, the more stability you have. You know, if you get down on both knees with your feet, you have more stability to shoot. I, I, I absolutely agree with that. What's going to happen when I get out of shootout and I've got both knees on my on the ground? I cannot move like I need to. Right. So even even being told something in training does not mean it equates to real life situations. Right. Kind of going back to the whole or, uh, unorthodox aspect of everything. You know, I'm, I'm shooting a paper target, but when we're going through the academy and we're going through firearm training, we're told to shoot torso. Why? Because everything else fucking moves. It's the only, you know, we're not shooting to kill per se, <laughs> but it's the it's the only immovable object on the human body. That's why it's torso. I don't I don't care if you're in the military. I don't care if you're in law enforcement. If you go to any kind of firearms training, it's you're shooting torso because it's the you you can't move the torso. You know, the head you can duck and beat. Your arms move. The legs move as you're running. The torso doesn't move. So we're trained to shoot torso. Well, what happens in real life when fucking you know we're out there doing that? All of a sudden, it becomes fatal shot and things like that. Well, it's what I was trained for. Now I'm wrong because I just dumped three into him. You know what I mean? It's the. <laughs> but anyway, I think that, uh, this entire thing. I mean, just, again, everything that I say is all just based on my opinion only. But um, mine too. I think that if we uh, if we can remember, you know, when you're getting hired on, when you're going through all the bullshit, and even now, John, in your case. Just try to not overthink shit, you know, like with your with your boss telling you to put both knees down. That just happens to be how I shoot, okay? So I don't disagree with that, but that works for me. It doesn't work for you, okay? He's trying to make you do something that you're not comfortable doing. Now, if you say, okay, well, I'll try it your way, and it doesn't work, okay? What I like to do in up training is I say, okay, well, that doesn't work for me, but what are my options? If I get forced into that position, where can I go? The first thing I'm thinking is I'm going to probably roll out to my support side and then I can move on from there, whatever it is. But if you're forward thinking versus overthinking, I think that will save a lot of this freaking debate about, you know, well, like you're talking about talking to girls a certain way or talking to, you know, suspects a certain way. It's like you treat everybody in, on a similar level. Of course, you can't treat everybody the same. That's, that's just not feasible. That's a but great if, point. If you don't overthink it too much, I think that makes it, you know, 
for the bad guys, whatever. I mean, I don't really give a shit about them, but for us, because we got to do this job every day, we're out there every single day making contact with folks. Um, if you're if you're worried about how you're going to respond to something, what do you think is going to happen already? No matter what you say in that first first five seconds, it's going to be wrong because you've already got a predetermined um, attitude of what you need to be. Well, I asked Dio said it's a girl, so I got to treat her this way. Well, no, you really don't because guess what? That's not how it works. You know what I mean? I mean, that's a great point. I'm glad you just brought that up as well, too, because, you know, the overthinking hits every level, whether you're a rookie, veteran, fucking superior or not, because it's the, again, as cultures change, as society changes, from call to call even, it's going to change to where it's the, oh, well, shit, now because this scenario is going on, now I'm playing out in my head every fucking possible outcome rather than just handling the the here and now and the best case scenario that I see right now, instead of overthinking it and like, then I'm sitting there, ooh, ooh, I'm, I'm out in fucking outer space trying to think of every scenario while I'm fucking getting two to the head. <laughs> right, right. Now that's, this. you know, we talk about this all the time. You do that what if playing, that role playing, you know, before anything happens, you know, why are you just sitting in your car where I'm being bored, riding around or whatever it is, you know, um, that's when you start thinking about that kind of stuff, not during a, an incident or, or call or whatever. Hey, with ride-alongs, like how you just said that right there, I mean, that's something that should be done anyway because how many times I myself didn't see any action in a week and a half? A week and a half, I, I didn't see it. it we stopping by fucking grocery stores, fucking the, the corner shops and things like that, traffic stops, yeah, but there was, there was no action. So, you know, that ride-along role playing while you're driving or sitting or in doing surveillance, you know, doing that role playing, like, Hey, Hey, officer hall. Hey, just for instance, Hey, if this scenario happened, how would you handle that? What would be your first response? You know? And if somebody has to hesitate, you can address them at that point because, you know, giving somebody a scenario verbally is really no different. It may take a little bit longer actually, but it's really no different than a real scenario taking place. So you role playing like that if you have a ride along with you, or you know, even during roll call it wouldn't hurt. Just because you have that mix, you know, during roll call we have the mix of our superiors, the veterans, the fucking rookies, the cadets, and everything else. To that role playing to where what works for Officer Hall may not work for Officer Hoyer, and what works for Officer Bagby may not work for Officer Hall. So seeing that role playing, and we can kind of adhere our own skills, our own abilities, and us knowing our own skills and our strengths and our weaknesses, we can apply what we've seen from Officer Hall and kind of mix it with what Officer Hoyer was displaying to us and have uh, our perfect fucking medium. I'll tell you part of the problem with that, which I love because I do that all the time. Two problems that I see. First, you got to have guys that are just too fucking arrogant to admit that they don't, they wouldn't do it that way. So you got to be thin, you got to be thick skin. You can't be thin skin about this shit. And then you also got to be open-minded. You've got to be able to say, yeah, you know what? That was your way is way better than my way. As cops, John, back me up. You know as well as, well as that. Dude. I ain't doing that shit. Fuck that. You know, Hoyer's way is the only way. That's all I'm going to That's all I'm ever going to do. Yeah. I'm teaching guys how to shoot Weaver versus Isosceles. You, you can't stop these guys from shooting Weaver. They've been doing it for 20 years. I can't get on the range and say, well, this, this is better if you do this and this and this. What are they going to do? 
they get into a shooting, they're going to go right back to what they've been doing. Look, at, I've shot this target a hundred times, man. Look at this. I'm, <laughs> you can't tell me shit. It's like, and I'm not going to go in there and convince anybody that you know my way is better, which is why you know I I like doing what I do on a, on a more of a subtle level, where it's like, hey, you know what? Again, this is a way, not the way. You know, if you take something on board, just try something a little bit different. You might be able to tweak yourself and just make it slightly better. I mean, who knows? But. Oh yeah, and 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 for SEO for a veteran anything, you know, you've got to be open minded to hey, you know, this this rookie's got a point. You know, we could try it this way. That might actually work instead of I've been doing this for 10, 12, 20 years. This is the way we do it. Right. You well, can't that's be one of my that's one of my biggest pet peeves. Uh, I can't even get started on this whole thing. Well, that's how we've always done it. Okay, well, this is like an extremely progressive profession that we've chosen here. So that shit that what? worked in 1980, well, it doesn't work now. So you know, you actually cover you actually cover that in the book. I do big time. Oh yeah, and if I get into stories later on about that, I'll probably be pretty ugly because I get pretty pissed off about that. <laughs> well, you know, that's what that's what's awesome as well too about this book too. That and it's one of the reasons why I love it so much too because it's not just a it's not just a read. You feel the emotions. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, I'm sure you probably wrote it the same way too. But you know, plus you know, Natalie being able to depict it to where it actually does show that raw emotion it's it's, it's fucking perfect man. Uh, if it wasn't for her this thing this thing would never launch i mean it'd probably still be sitting on my computer right <laughs> but anyway you guys want to pick it back up again of course that's we got more to talk about i don't care that's, that, hey, that, hey we're, we're on here to hear the book man all right cool all right I will. it'll be every fucking 2023 by the time we're done with these chapters <laughs> yeah, no, no. All right, so uh, gearing up for the fight. Uh, during the testing phase, I watched several monster-sized, scary dudes tested against me. Considering their strength and brawn, I was sure they'd be a shoe-in and a lot of them would make. Uh, there were also recruits who were much smaller than me. As it turned out, physical preparedness was not too tough to grasp. Practicality was the key. Uh, as for comfort, forget it. There was no comfort in 117-degree weather at 1,400 hours. I would have been on perimeter for two hours. Uh, yeah, right, keep fighting. So you do your best and you drink a lot of water, which brings me to uh, the importance of gearing up. Hmm. What does that look like? Knife on support side. Check. Laces tucked into boots. Check. Non-widowmaker holster that does not require a tom lock release. Check. Uh, secondary weapon that you regularly train on. Check. Anything with Velcro, zippers, and cool patches that read the infidel or this is the tool and I'm the weapon. Check. St. Michael medallion somewhere close by. Check. Hey, every little bit helps, right? Check. The holster thing was a big deal. Uh, mine was a holster that was nearly mine was a holster that nearly ended my career and almost my life. I got talked into the latest and greatest rig setup like uh, new officers often do. We we're told something like, "Okay, this holster is incredibly simple to operate. Begin with a pirouette and then yodel three times. Slap the side of it and then grab the bottom and push up 40, at a 45 degree angle, and voila, it's out and you're good to go." Well, maybe over exaggerating a little, but once upon a time when my partner and I rolled up on an an armed robbery suspect, things went bad very quickly. I was the passenger, the dude, i.e. our subject, was walking on my side of the car away from us. We stopped a few hours behind him and exited the car. Actually, it all happened a little quicker than I expected because oftentimes I'd, I had time to prep the holster prior to contact. However, in this case, there was no time. We were out of the car. My partner delivered the commands. The bad guy spun around and inside his waistband was an Uzi. He was eyeballing me because I was the closest threat, but by the grace of God, he decided not to play which was good for me because I could not, I repeat, could not get the gun out of the holster. Had he engaged me, I would have lost, no question about it. 
thank God for a, part, a competent partner because he was out and ready to rock and roll. Thanks, bro. Need to say that rig got tossed. Another, uh, let me let me touch on that really quick. It's not like I didn't train on that on that particular holster setup. I just I I couldn't get my muscles to work the proper way because it was that's when we see a hundred times you, you push down, rock forward, and then and then pull it backwards and then get it out that way. I could not get my arms to work, my fingers to work. It just wouldn't work for me. Um, and I'd be at the gas pump, you know, pumping gas, practicing, 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 home it, you know, in the closet all the time, practicing, doing this thing all the time. And I never felt comfortable with it. And then when it came time to really freaking need it that day, it, it wasn't, it wasn't a rig that failed. It was me that failed because even though I tried and tried and tried, I couldn't make it work flat out. And I, you know, it took me a long time to figure that out. Thank God it didn't cost me. Um, so, you know, speaking of gear, if it's if it's flat out and it's not working for you, dude, just go get something else. You don't need to fit in with the rest of the guys because they got a fucking thigh holster or whatever is the cool thing this week. Make it work for you because if it's not going to work, it could cost your life. And you guys have read, you heard the story about a fucking guy with an Uzi. Had he pulled that thing out and started shooting, I would have been done for, flat out done for. So, all right, moving on. You're on mute, Michael. I put John and I both on just that way when you're reading and the background noise doesn't actually go in there. But uh, so, I mean, that's a great point because the way that I pull from hip from holster, the, the nine millimeter doesn't work as good. That's why I love the 1911-45 because it has the double safety on it. It has the, 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 uh, the grip safety and it also has the safety clip, you know, because, you know, going down and especially on instant reach, you know, there's been a lot. You probably don't hear about it a lot, but there's been a lot of like officer, uh, you know, discharge firearm, just holster, or like, and especially in heat of moment. You know what I mean? And that's why I've always been an advocate for 1911 styles, to where it has that double safety, where you can just grab it out, pull it out, and, and go. But positioning of equipment is is vital. Oh, absolutely. You know, and it's uh, a lot of people don't know how to put their utility belt <laughs> together to where it fits you, you know, and it, and it kind of goes with like the left hand, right hand kind of individuals, you know, to where everything's been accustomed to like right hand fit. Now all of a sudden it's like the left hand fit and things like that, you know, and, and vest holster as well too, shoulder holsters, you know, but that's a great point. I, I want to rewind real quick if you want to spend some time real quick, because I want to go back into like the training on because of like relevance to where demographics is one of the things that's overlooked a lot as well too, especially when you see, you know, an officer that transfers from say East coast over into the West coast, or they go from the North down to the South to where temperature, when you're saying about the, you know, that you're actually going out there with the fucking 117 degree weather while you're in full gear. It's the, somebody that may be well-trained and say, Oh, suck it up bitch come on let's go you know you can't it's the it affects individuals different to where you know training on one spectrum isn't even close to being the same on another you know it's kind of like when we went to war and it's like the cold war and we're over there and like you know minus 30 degrees it's not going to be the same outcome as an individual has been trained for you know 60 degree full gear weather you know what i mean and, and, it, and it, it plays a large role in it and it's like the but um I do, I do. I do want to touch on one other thing though. It's kind of funny you actually have it in that man. I, you know, it's like because you 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 say about having that actually in there with you and things like that. So it's the 
Oh, yeah. Same, Michael. Yep. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like I said, man, every little bit helps, right? I mean, it really can't hurt. So um, why not, right? I mean, so, uh, yeah, everybody's a little bit different, you know. Uh, some people think you're crazy. I've actually given away several, and, you know, I request them, like, all right, just put it in the uh, – put it in your vest pocket behind your plate or wherever else, you know, and just carry this kind of thing, so. I've said, I've said that to individuals as well, too. You know, it's funny. That I always give the example about when fucking Theodore Roosevelt was president and he had that black little fucking notebook, pocketbook. And then, like, you know, they tried to assassinate Theodore Roosevelt. And it was this little notebook in his pocket that actually saved his life. It sounds stupid, but it was like, <laughs> that was really like the deal. It was just like, keep it close to your heart to where, you know, you actually keep it close to your heart. I mean, it could be. You, you get double benefit. You get a two for out of it. Yeah, no doubt, right? So. <laughs> uh, All right, I'm keep moving. Needless here. to say. <laughs> All right, needless to say, that rate got tossed. Now, another wise investment, in my opinion, is a uh, quality weapon-mounted light. If you don't have one, get one. I know what you're going to say, but I work during the day. Uh, I hear that all the time. Okay, so you never entered a dark warehouse in the daytime? How about a bar? All right. How about one of my works here is in the covers of, you know, to look under a bed. Is there a light under there? I think not. Handheld flashlight? Nope. Takes three hands for that. Uh, drop it on the floor, you say? Good tactic sometimes, but when Murphy steps in and the light rolls away or ends up missing the one corner you needed lit? No. Um, secondary officer? First off, will there be enough room in there for two in a tiny bedroom? Uh, what if the bed cannot be flipped? It's too heavy or the headboard prevents it from moving? Possibilities are endless. Uh, the best part for me, besides the obvious lighting of a darkened area, was putting a light in some dude's eyes and blinding him. Usually just long enough for me to gain the advantage that I needed. Um, that's another really long one. We got to a debate on this. A uh, buddy of mine, he's a Marsock dude. And he argues that in 20 years in country, he never needed a fucking weapon amount of light. And I'm like, okay. I mean, that's great for you. If you never needed one, he's like, well, I just have my hand in a flashlight or whatever. Okay, if you're Marsock carrying a handgun, highly unlikely, right? I mean, you're when you've gotten to the point you're carrying a handgun, um, tell me with a straight face that you didn't have a fucking light on your because if you did, you're a fucking liar. Well, he, he, he watched too many of them fucking movies where it's like, yeah, oh yeah, which is great. That's a great tactic. If that's what you got, your light goes down because Murphy steps in the panel now. Okay, I can see that, but um, and I do teach that. But if you have the opportunity to get a weapon mount of light, why wouldn't you? You know, and he's worried about, um, the company I'm working for now, he's worried about these guys having um, grip safety style actuated lights. I'm like, so get the TLR one that is, is thumb actuated only. You don't have a chance of pulling the trigger doing the sympathetic response or reflex or whatever it is. Um, I'm just a big I'm just a big fan of them because um, I can't tell how many times I've been you know we're in the middle of a fight and somebody else comes up behind me or beside me when I'm you know I'm focused on this and I can't see my peripheral very well. And uh, I draw out before I can get my gun and my flashlight out. I draw my handgun out, stick that thing in his face, and I turn the freaking light on. And it buys me three seconds to get on my feet and, and create some lateral distance between me and him. You know, it's just one example of a thousand, but uh, very debatable. I, I welcome the, the, the feedback. I love it. Don't don't really you're gonna piss me off. I don't give a fuck. I'm not gonna be offended. <laughs> well, I mean, it's a true story though, because it, it goes kind of goes back to like. You know, people are like, oh, my God, you really want to have a fucking 22 for your, you know, protection in the house. Because just like with the light, you know, if you can deter someone for a split second 
that turns the tables a lot of times to where it puts it in your advantage rather than that. You know, even if you shoot somebody with a fucking BB gun, they're going to have to regroup. You know, it's going to be like, what's going on right now? Same thing with the light. Hey, if you can't see, you can't fucking, you know, defend yourself or fight or anything else like that. You know, I agree. So, okay, moving on. Uh, hey, Michael, Chris, uh, I hate to, but I've got to jump off here. I'm about to uh, sign off for the night. I've got an early morning. Excuses, uh, man. Excuses. Everybody's got excuses. You're on, you're on now, man. You're making all, right. all that. Yeah. Hey, thank you. Thank you for joining, John. Seriously, man. It means a lot. I mean, I know you're scrambled to make it on here, man. I appreciate you actually making the time to make it on here, brother. And yeah, I'm going to get back on here with you, Chris, when you're going over your stuff. And Michael, we talked about having our our own uh, little episode. You know, uh, whoever can join is fine, but I'm I'm going to make more time for for it. I did just want to jump on here for a little bit and. You know, Chris, I had told you I wanted to get back on here with you too. So, oh yeah, absolutely, man. Anytime, man. Please do. I love it. I love it. So, yeah, because I, I, touch, so. you know, because I, I have because I I pay like yearly for for this the Streamyard platform, the Vimeo, and all the different platforms to kind of add everything together, and that's why like you know Mike Zanito is about to start his own podcast. I'm like, well, don't fucking pay for a platform. You could just use mine. You know, it's like, you know, it's the everything's already paid for, and I'd rather see it being used for things like we're doing right now. You know what I mean? To kind of just benefit others and actually have a conversation that so many people want to have, but they just don't know who to talk to about it, stuff like that, man. So thank you so much, John. For sure, man. Yeah. Absolutely. You be safe out there, brother. Yes, yeah. sir. We'll see y'all soon. Yeah, hey, man. Hey, enjoy that desk, man. Take take that yes. game chair office with you. Put a, put, a shield, right put, a, now, put a shield back there behind you. Yeah, I love it, man. I love it. Yeah. Yes, sir, man. Stay safe and stay blessed and all things, brother. Sir. Yes, sir. All right, where was I here? All right, back at it. All right, so uh, handheld flashlight? Question mark. Nope. Nope. I think we're gonna do with that one. So, all right, support side knife. Uh, support side knife tactic was something I learned in the academy. Uh, weapon retention. Uh, kept on my primary side. Terrific. Uh, there are so many ways to defeat an opponent, and just as many va uh, variables to losing. So for me, the non-thinking simplest way was my support side knife. If a bad dude grabbed my gun and the knife came out and went into his most immediate exposed body part, this indicates deadly force, right? Uh, or force now, right? There's several people that will argue that, no, it's not deadly force. As far as I'm concerned, the guy is knowingly grabbing your gun. That's, you know, that's jeopardy. That's opportunity, you know, and that's intent right there. Uh, why else would somebody be grabbing your gun, right? So I'm in a danger. Now, clearly, yeah, there are ways you can defeat a guy to get him off your gun. But what, you know, the guy's twice your size and you, you physically just can't get him off your weapon system, whatever that is. Um, how long are you going to fight with this guy before you finally go to something else? Um, so clearly that's like a, you know, second to last resort, but it's still something that you should have as a possibility to save your freaking life. Because, Well, Ray Bashir's Blue Shield Tactical, you know, the, the close yeah. quarter night defense is one of the things that they're real big on. I mean, it's the, like, I, I, I love knives. You right. know, it's the, you know, it's all the time. And it's just like, you know, and, and serrated because you can't seal the serrated cut, you know, but, uh, but I mean, seriously, I mean, it's like, like you said, I mean, you, you hit it nail on the head right there because it's the one little cut. I mean, every area almost with a knife is a vital area. If you, well, if you're trained, right. You know what right. I mean? It's the, you know, you could just, you can, I mean, that right there of a knife can take somebody's life. Just oh, that yeah. right there. Just the, the, the fingertip right there. You know, you hit the carotid or anything else like that. It's just, I mean, I'm, I'm, 
before we go any further, I am not condoning life taking. I'm just saying that in instances to where somebody has a gun and they're trying to take my life, I'm going to take theirs before they can take mine. That's Absolutely. what I'm saying. I agree. I agree. If it's a life-threatening situation and you're trying to save your life, the life of your partner or a citizen, absolutely, man. You got to do what you got to do. So, well, see, and that's what fucking it, it irritates me. I'm, I'm trying to write a policy in Florida, but I'm trying to actually make it like a national thing because they've rewritten a law on what is considered imminent danger, no. and it, it's ridiculous. I mean, like they because they redid like self-defense laws like six years ago to where you can only use equal or lesser force to defend yourself. So somebody comes at you with a bat, you can't use a gun. Bullshit. You know, it's like, well, hold on, hold on, let me put this down. Let me, let me go get my bat. Yeah. And now with law enforcement, they're rewriting that fucking law to where they're trying to rewrite the law on imminent danger. Right. Well, Hey, did you really have imminent danger? Well, you know, the, the, sub, the subject seemed high on drugs which if, you know, if it's one of the drugs where they don't feel pain or I can't detain them, they have a knife in hand. That's yeah. imminent danger to me. You mean to tell me I can't put that person down? You know, you mean, mean, like, give me one law enforcement agency anywhere in the, especially in the United States, but anywhere in the world that's going to tell you that you're going to stay at the same level of force versus going to one higher. Yeah. You know, that's, that's stupid. I mean, obviously these are people that have never been in a, in a critical situation that don't understand the dynamic, how quickly it happens. And this guy's not going to say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to stand by and I'm not going to swing that bat at your head. You know, <laughs> it's kind of funny you mentioned that particular one, because when I was in the Academy, um, I had that exact scenario. After I pulled my gun, I prone the guy out and they're like, why'd you prone him out? Well, why wouldn't I? Nobody else did that up until I ever did it. You know, that bat can kill me. <laughs> like- I was like, I'm going to put this guy in the best controlling position I can put him in. Why am I going to put him on his knees? He can still swing that bat and crack my knees. You know, so no, of course, I'm going to separate it from the weapon, get them on the freaking ground, stand by, wait for you, wait for more units. I mean, that's common. I mean, that's as least common sense as you can get, you know, so fucking hey, whatever. Yeah, right. Well, you no, know. because I, I even put in a situation. I said, well, you know, because, you know, my situation was the whole the knife aspect of it. Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, you know, subject had a knife. You have a gun. That's not imminent danger. I'm like, the fuck are you talking? About? I said, I'll tell you what, give me a knife. You take that gun. Yeah, I guarantee you, I guarantee I'd stake my career. I'd stake my life that if I have a knife and you have a gun, I'm not going to say 100 percent of the time. But the vast majority of the time, if I have a knife and somebody else has a gun, I'm going to win. Oh, I guarantee you. It's it's the I mean, it's anyway, we we could debate on that for days. But it's just that I, I can't stand the fact that, you know, law enforcement, you know, they're rewriting laws on imminent danger. They're rewriting the laws. Not nationally, but in a lot of the states are rewriting the laws on approach to vehicle on if we're allowed to have our if we're even allowed to have our hand on holster because well, there's no we're not supposed to draw back and walk up in caution because okay. pulling somebody over by definition of the law is not shouldn't be considered imminent danger, but it's like the well, I, I don't know this scenario. So any situation where I'm going in blind, if you put a fucking blindfold on me. I feel that's imminent danger to my life, my partner's yeah. life, or anybody I'm trying to protect in that scenario's but, life. But you can just run away. Uh, yeah. Okay, yeah, that's, that's gonna work. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's that's what my job. That, that, that's in my job description. Run away. <laughs> so so also you ran away, and then the guy killed four people. Why didn't you approach it? Uh, okay, I mean, 
clearly they can just go 27 different ways. But You should have deployed your grenade. Yeah. You should have just talked him out of it. You should have called the social worker. Yeah. Hey, hey, can you send out that mental health counselor? This guy's really not getting it right now. He's coming at me with a knife. Can you send him out pretty quick? <laughs> okay. So uh, you got to be prepared for those what ifs. Uh, and then there's a less obvious piece of equipment, shoelaces. I learned the hard way. <laughs> That they can get looped onto the gas and brake pedals. Uh, it's a sinking feeling, naturally, because you, it can negatively affect your driving. Uh, but even worse, it can mean you getting stuck in the car. If you need to jump out in a hurry, it could be a problem. While we're on the subject of driving, I will say that I am religious about wearing seatbelts on and off duty. Um, there are two different times to consider when to put it on, when to take it off. In this line of work, uh, seatbelt can be cumbersome depending on the situation. When making a stop, I learned the best time to disengage a seatbelt. The seconds before coming to an actual stop it allows you to exit the car more quickly and lessens the chance of getting trapped so to speak uh, by an unexpected intruder uh, there really is no excuse not to wear it while you're driving honestly who's ever been ambushed at 70 miles per hour i say wear it that's just but like I you know I'm, I'm gonna i'm in the habit before seatbelts on before i even put the key in the ignition you know, yeah. it's, it's chain of, and it becomes muscle memory you know people say that, oh it's uncomfortable it's like, like it, it isn't really you know i mean it's like the I'm not gonna say hang yourself, then I'll get a bunch of lashback about that. But if it's the if the seatbelt being uncomfortable, I feel trapped. It's just going across. It's, there's so much compression. It rubs on me. I, I, okay, and then you know when you get ejected, then come see. Yeah, uh, uh, hey, come tell me that uh, that was more uncomfortable than pulling the shards of glass out of your forehead. Yeah, <laughs> right. freaking whack your head on the steering wheel. Make sure you realize that thing doesn't bend. By the way. So um, my, my first thing when I do, when I get in the car, first thing I do is I lock the doors. I know it sounds kind of paranoid, but how many guys get carjacked? They're not going to smash your window. They're going to try to open your door first. Mm -hmm. At least that guy tries opening your door, realize that he can't get it open. You know, more often than not, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to open that door and I'm going to knock the guy on his ass. And then I'm either just going to drive away or I'm going to draw a weapon or whatever it is, and run his ass over. <laughs> well, it, well, <laughs> I well, it's, well, I mean, it's, it's, it's all like, predisposed reaction i mean it's just like in restaurants or like heavy traffic public areas and things like that with the you know my backs to the wall i face the door i you know it's the as soon as i enter anywhere it's kind of like the okay entry points blah blah i, I want to sit at this table over here if possible yeah. it's like so yeah. you can see right in the middle I, I, I can't sit in the middle of a restaurant it's a it's a i don't know yeah. i just i can't do it that kind you of shit what? i mean clearly i'm i'm well aware of my surroundings but those kinds of things never bother me i mean i the one thing i don't like is i don't like people coming up standing behind me clearly um, you can feel the breath on the back of your neck <laughs> dude, I, I mean i can just feel the presence you know and it's one of those things where I, like i ride the train to work every day and uh i'm usually if i'm standing at the doors and other people are approaching i'll usually just step back and let everybody else get off first um especially the ladies you know being a gentleman and stuff like that but um, yeah, 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 yeah. I, well, that's right. You know, <laughs> Natalie doesn't necessarily agree, but yeah, what does she know? She's not here. So. <laughs> Wait, I'm waiting for the I'm waiting for the yell, but I didn't get it. So uh, I was I was waiting for something to come across the screen, like <laughs> yeah, that, that might be next. So. <laughs> okay. Uh, so speaking of driving, my FTO was relentless when it came to keeping the car stocked. Uh, hopefully, I didn't skip a page here. Okay, I didn't. Um, you say uh, better be gassed up, rookie. Uh, is that a spot of my my view on the windshield? Crumbs on my seat, Mountain Dew can, and the cup holder. Well, move your ass and clean it. Yeah, I pretty much kept that thought to myself. But the truth was, I was horrible about stocking my car. I was always running out of envelopes or crime scene tape or cones. 
I have plenty of ammo and tactical stuff, though. Uh, the one thing I did not ever fail on was fuel. I always assumed I would end up chasing some bad guy across state line, and how would I ever let live it down if he if he uh, escaped because I did not gas up? <laughs> you know, not okay. So uh, months had passed, blood, sweat, and tears for real. I got through it all. Written test, PT test, background investigation, pre-academy, academy, post-academy, two FPOs. There's a sense of freedom and accomplishment when one rolls solo for the first time. I remember waiting for the precinct gate to open. I was thinking, hey, I made it. I'm the police, but now what? Where do I go? I know I'll go show off my new car to my friends. Wait, no, my old boss. Yeah. Wait, my mom. Nah, she'll freak. <laughs> the first call came in. An illegally parked car and an hour's worth of research. Wow. Uh, I guess we skipped that scenario in training. Phew, done. I was right back in service, and I was just thinking to myself, this is a breeze. Another call came in. Uh, did I hear that right? Convenience store arm robbery? Wait, I'm one mile away from the scene. It was my second call my first day, and I'd only been on the street for one hour. Can someone say shit magnet? Fight's on. So, yeah, my second call, fucking arm robbery, 7 o'clock in the morning. It's like, uh, and I'm a mile away. It's like, oh, shit, here. This is the beginning of my career, man. Here we go. So, like, but it, it, it kind of makes it, I'm not going to say it makes it nice, but, you know, again, that exposure that really needs to happen because, yeah. you know, I, I touch on this all the time when I talk about complacency because what happens is that, oh, hey, you know, we really didn't cover having to fucking run these tags and try to find out, you know, real owner and things like that. But, it's the when you become complacent where it's just like traffic stop, traffic stop, and everybody you're pulling over is being compliant. You know, here's my here's my license, here's my insurance. That day when it is that day, you know, when that day comes, it's like the you walk up to that car, you're just as complacent, everything else is possible, and it's just another traffic stop and things like that. You know, meanwhile, that you know, the, the subject in the car sitting there like this, just waiting for you to walk up to the door, you know, it's the you just walk up blindly because of that complacency to where it was just that, hey, today it's just like every other day, you know, it's yeah, the right. same scenario, same scenario, same scenario. And it's the, it's dangerous and it becomes dangerous. It really does. And it's, that's why I say, I'm, I hate saying it like that. Like, well, I'm glad you took us armed robbery case, your second day on the job. But in the same sense, I mean, that exposure, that shock value in the beginning is probably why you had the success that you had during your career. I mean, realistically, I mean, yeah. it, it sounds selfish and things like that, but realistically, I, I, I really believe that it's the little things. And, you know, obviously you were attentive the whole way through or this book would have never fucking came to life, bro. Yeah, you know, it, it, it wouldn't have happened. I mean, it's the I mean, the things like with, you know, him second guessing you that right. stuck with you to fucking 18 years of you actually having service that when you finally, you know, turn it in, your EOW's there that you're writing your book and, and that's something that's stuck with you. It's important, yeah, right. you know, and that's why shock value works so well while they're young, you know, before yeah, they're facing like, Oh yeah, I already know this shit, man. It's like, so. Well, I just, you know, the reason I remember that is because he ended up being a really good buddy of mine, you know, still to this day. And I mean, truly, truly a mentor. And uh, there's, you know, there's certain things from your career that you remember and there's certain things that you don't. I mean, I've had guys come ride with me, and I'll see him however long it is later. Like, hey, remember that time? And I'm like, I don't think I've ever even met you. And they're like, dude, we spent like <laughs> a day in the car together. <laughs> oh, no, my God. So that some of that shit just becomes much more impactful uh, later on throughout your career. But some things, I mean, you can't remember it all, you know. And that's why we're, we're doing a report writing class today. And I pointed out to him, I said, look, guys, 
you know, you think you're going to remember the shit. I guarantee that by the time a year, five years goes by, you're not going to remember the, especially the specific details of a call that happened back then. So that's why you need to take those copious notes and make sure you got it all, all squared away and stuff like that. Cause you know, your how brain much, is weird. How much of what you do mm. is repetitive again, because of the, because I'm sure there's a mix in your groups that you have like the, you know, some of the seasoned vets or, or self-proclaimed vets in the room and things like that to where, you know, it's the, it doesn't seem important, but then all of a sudden tomorrow when the same thing is covered in class or the same thing is covered, but under a different scenario, you know, sometimes it, it does take that repetition for it to finally like sink in for that training to really be able to, for me to apply it to my everyday case, you know, kind of going back to the guy that's fucking one of the regular traffic stops well, or everybody's uh, compliant. It's, it's right. that, Oh, man, you know, tell me nothing, man. It's the, I don't, I don't need this in my profession until that day comes. Right I mean, it's, the, it's I, I love the whole structure of it, title of it. I mean, it, from beginning to end, bro, it's just like, well, I will, I'll tell you from a, from a first responder standpoint as an officer. Um, yes, I was very routine oriented. Um, I always search guys the same way. I always approach cars the same way. These kinds of things. I, you know, I get out of my car the same way every single time, but I was always forward thinking, you know, like, okay, well, I know that I, I bought position my body a certain way, but for this environment, for this particular scene where I'm at, where's my escape route? What's my backdrop? Where's my partner standing? All these kinds of things. It's going to change every single time. So always, always, always thinking about those kinds of things, even though, you know, I always, it's kind of, it sounds kind of weird, but I always pulled my my F, my FI card pocket up with my left hand and then grabbed my, my pen with my right hand. I did it in that order every single time. Does that really make any difference? No. Um, but it, but it, you say that, but it becomes so subconscious to where, again, going back to the whole muscle memory thing, though, it really did make a difference because yeah. it was the it's what your mind was programmed for. Because if you had to do it the other way, all of a sudden it was like, that split second sometimes could have been like yeah, the difference, you know, and, and you know, on, on top of that as well too, it's kind of like the, you know, going into the being the ready for it aspect of it, you know, to where if people don't take it serious, you know, like right. how many people in your class are sitting there like, Oh, you know, fucking, this is never going to apply to me right, of right. how blind and just how, selfish it is you know i mean they're not thinking they're not thinking about their families by making that comment they're not thinking about their brothers or sisters that they may have to you know be partners with or anything else like that it's a fucking selfish comment that oh hey this is all irrelevant you ain't telling me yeah. anything, guy. i already know this it's a selfish well, fucking comment i mean it's that's um as any uh, you know clearly since i've retired now uh, being on the instructor side of the role um i'm very forthcoming with my honesty about how I feel about certain things and why I'm doing what I'm doing. Clearly it's no secret, but I also, I highly, highly encourage people ask me questions, please, because I guarantee your buddy's asking himself that same question. He doesn't want to sound stupid, you know, and I'll just tell him all day long. If you don't ask that question and you, and you walk out of this room, not knowing what you need to know, that, that could be a problem, man. No bullshit. Um, if you want to pull me aside later or whatever else it is, but I also, 
constantly, regularly, even for just stupid. I mean, I, I've got the shortest ever traffic control class you'll ever see. It's like four slides. Because, I mean, how much we really need to track traffic control? We don't physically actually go out in the street and do it. So, I mean, there's only so much I can teach these guys. But I reiterate to them over and over during that 10-minute class or whatever it is, the number one thing that I want for you guys is to make sure you go home safe, you know. Um, what does that look like? You got your freaking vest on, you got a whistle or whatever it is, a flashlight, you know, these kinds of things. Um, make sure you're standing in a good position because if you're not standing where you're supposed to be, you're in the middle of the street, you're not wearing all your gear, you don't have flares or whatever else, you get hit by a car, I, I can't help you. I just can't, you know. So, again, my number one goal is make sure you guys go home safe. And I, I, I upplay it because I want people to think of how serious it is, even though this is probably the dumbest class you're ever going to have. And I get it. It could also be one of the most dangerous things that you do, you know? So, and just like the other thing with, you know, you're just going to see a, a dead guy in a car. It doesn't have to be a gunfight. It could be something simple as a car accident. The guy just has a freaking epileptic seizure and fucking dies, runs into a pole, gets halfway ejected out of the car. You know, that's something you're going to have to deal with on the street at some point in time. So, you know, let's say I got one of my properties way back in the day, Elmer Francis Holbrook. They, uh, you know, because like lenders, they're not allowed to discriminate against race, creed, religion. But one of the ones that's overlooked the most is age. But a bank knows you're not going to live 30 fucking years when you're 75 right now to pay the loan off. Right, right, right. And I was like, well, I can do a survivorship deed. I'll co-sign for you. Not even a month later, they were driving down 275 up in Ohio. And Elmer had a heart attack driving and yeah. wrecked. You know, and it's like, I mean, it, it always stuck with me, too, because it's like the, the things that we kind of just take for granted and things like that, that, oh, yeah, it's, it really doesn't apply to me. Well, yeah, it does. You know what I mean? It's, um, you, you never know. You absolutely never know. I mean, holy shit. I mean, I, I can't even tell you how many just stupid close calls I've had where I'm like, holy cow, why am I even still here? I wrote that story in the book. It's, I think it's one of the last chapters. Uh, it may even be my, my, my new one. I'm not even sure where it's at, but... Um, I know I've got it here somewhere of all the shit that I survived. I'm going, holy, I mean, there's no reason in the world why I should still be walking this fucking earth. <laughs> I swear, man, but, but I'm still here for a reason. You, well, you, you hit it right here on page 290 right here. It says, you know why I barked? Because you're a fighter, goddammit. You fought to get hired. You fought through the academy. You fought through FTO. And, and, it, you, and it's just, as soon as you said that, I'll never forget that page because it's one of them things that, you know, I, I look back on the course of why I do what I do today. It's just yeah. and, and why I'm so hard on people. It's because yeah. it's the you know it's the you, you need to be ready for this right here. And it's the that's how I, that's I, how I like knew how to go right to that page, man. It's like and that's what's such a blessing about this fucking book, man. Like something yeah, like that, that, where it's like I can fucking go. Hey, it's right here. <laughs> yeah. Dude, that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, hey, I don't want to cut it short, but uh, Nat's going to bed. I'm gonna. Call See you. Tell, tell, tell us a good night, man. We got shit to do, bro. Oh, I know, I know, It's like eight o'clock here, so you know. So. No, I, I really would like to have her on here as well, too, because I kind of like to talk about the love notes thing because, you know, what she did, what she continues to do. I mean, like you and I just covered at the very beginning of this before we actually like you know started going live to where so many people take for granted. 
the simple things that we can do in life that would really increase the life of another individual, reinvent somebody's life. For example, you know, we, we walk by people at the fucking grocery store on the streets, like how you doing today. And if, if somebody actually stopped and said, Oh my God, I'm glad you asked. I'm, I'm going through, we'd look at our stopwatch. I, I got to get out of here. I have other shit to do. It's the, we really don't mean it. You know, like I asked you, like, you know, how many people in your fucking 18 plus years, how many people, said a simple thank you yeah you know and i mean and and it changes people's perspective it changes people's lives and it could be like the i don't even know why i fucking do this every day i put so much blood sweat and tears and time into doing what i do yeah i feel unnoticed sometimes that simple i just want to let you know that hey i'm thinking of you Uh, thank you for what you do i'm gonna let her i'm gonna let her sell that one when she comes on because she we've got stories that i she tells way better than i do that are just like oh my god you know, things that you would never even think about hearing. You know, we had one guy that's really super special story. Um, in so many words, he basically said that 50 years of suppression from the Vietnam War all got released from a love note. Like, fuck, man, this poor that's guy. Awesome. That's that's awesome. for, for Seriously, I mean, years, you, know? you could draw tears out in four words. You know? oh, <laughs> it's, she does all the time. I mean, like right today, she did one today. She had, she had a veteran and was talking about some stuff and um lady started crying right on i'm like yeah i mean i hear these stories all the time and i love it i don't want it to ever stop it's awesome man it's unbelievable man it's, i just love it so and, and, and it's it's beautiful because it's so simple it's something yeah, that right. everybody could fucking do but it's the we got you know we don't have time for the next individual it's the uh, yeah i i got other things to do what are you gonna go do watch fucking shrek motherfucker yeah. <laughs> exactly right yeah. so yeah, but anybody hey, right, hey, right. i gotta go to bed right so like uh I love you to death, brother, man. I appreciate you so much, man. Thank you so much for your time. And always, you know, man. Uh, just let me know when you have time again. Yeah, we're going to make it more, uh, a whole lot more frequent than it was last, was it like last month and a half or something like that. So but. I'll wear a muzzle next time. That way I don't like, that way we can actually make progression through the book. I mean, I know, I know John likes being on here with you. That's why, like, every time that he knows that I'm scheduling on with you, you know, he has to be on and things like that as well, too. I love it, man. Uh, man I think that he better. actually wants to schedule one with, uh, I think he actually wants to do a one on one with you, too, to kind of like talk about some certain things that, yeah, that'd be great, you know, man. You've said before and stuff like that. So, you guys get some rest. You definitely deserve it, man. Rock and roll. Good night, Natalie. Natalie. I think she's already gone. Where she went. So. Hey, man, you stay safe and stay safe in all things, brother. Seriously. Right on, you too, man. Catch up with you yeah, soon. Sure. Always. Later.